0: I love our kids, right? I love them they're so fun they're so fun i i didn't grow up in a church uh, where we where kids were in worship uh because they were distract the church said that they were distracting and i'm so I'm just so ac- excited that you guys have have truly like welcomed our kids in when we have times of worship um, because here here's what I know is that they will follow what they see and this is just kind of a challenge to all of us as grown ups is when it comes to worship, um, we get to lead them so that eventually they lead us. And so, I just want to say thank you so much. I mean, really, it was an experiment bringing them in, and and I just loved it so much because uh, when I get to step back from the microphone, specifically during a few songs like "Lion and the Lamb" and and whatever, like man, they are leading it. I love it. I'm just I love our kids so much. So, um, but. uh uh, if you have a Bible, uh, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Daniel. Uh, however you open your Bible, whether it's a paper Bible or whether it's a Bible on a phone or an iPad, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Daniel uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, we are kicking off this brand new series. And and I, I was really, um, just to give you some transparency as to where we're, what we're doing and where we're going, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I This is the first year in the history of Motion City Church, where I have zero idea where we're going this year. None. Uh, I plan things. I mean, when it comes to this stuff, like when it comes to life, not so much. Love the surprise. When it comes to this stuff, I'm very meticulous. I want to prepare good series. I want to, I really seek the Lord as to what God, what do you want to say? What are some topics we want to look at? What are some books of the Bible that we want to dive in this year? And, and, and over the last few months, I have put about seven, seven one year plans together. I know. And, uh, and it's a lot of years. And, uh, and at the end of every one of those plans, literally I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, well, that's cute. That's not what you want to hear. From God, that's cute. Throw the paper behind you. Let's come back a, a week or so later. Start to pray. Really, kind of feel, kind of led in a direction, and put this plan together. I'm like, yes, we're gonna do, we're gonna do four weeks on this topic. Then we're gonna do three weeks on this topic. and We're gonna do eight weeks on this topic. And I put the whole thing together. And, and that's that, 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 cool. <sighs> I did this a bunch of times, guys, and and I came to the conclusion that I just I don't know I, I have no idea what God's going to do this year. I really don't. I and so if there's ever that sense of we were at Disney for the last couple of weeks, and there was always a sense of anticipation, right? Like anticipation, like uh, for a ride or for an experience or whatever. And there was I mean, and and I, and, and and honestly, like. Sometimes I think that as Christians and as the church, we can become a little formulaic that it almost becomes boring. And I think that God this year, um, he wants to do a lot of things. I I just kind of feel these things. But I think what he, as we talked in the video, if you were at the the house church experiences, if not, I'm going to do something I never, I said I would never do. But I'm going to post a video of me preaching on Facebook uh, this week, um, and so you can kind of see kind of what we, how we were kicking off the year, but if there's one thing that I believe that God wants to bring back to us is the awe and wonder, not of the spectacle that exists as the performance of church, but the awe and wonder and spectacle of God. And so here's what I know. I don't know where we're going. I know we're in Daniel. I don't know how long we're going to be in Daniel. I don't know what God's going to do through Daniel, but I know he's up to something. And I want you guys to know, as your pastor, I have never been more excited because I have no idea. And so this pushes us. This pushes me to be desperate, to be seeking the Lord, to be using the Bible, not simply as a study tool, but as a, as a, as like a source, you know what I mean? And so, um, and so, uh, so in the book of Daniel, uh, we're just going to, let's just, how about we just start? Let's just start. Let's just start. Uh, have you ever had a bad moment in life? Anybody ever had a bad moment in life? We can be honest. If we're not going to be honest here, you're not going to be honest anywhere else. Anybody ever had a bad moment? All right, keep, throw your hands up. Throw your hands up. For those who don't have their hands up, you are liars, and you are walking into a bad moment. Uh, how many, okay, so put your hands in. You had a bad moment. How many of you have ever had a bad moment after a bad moment? How many of you have ever had a bad moment after those bad moments? And how many of you have found that through the course of of life and experiences, you had enough bad moments, they turn into a bad season, right? And the hardest thing about those, those those times, I'll just say for me, uh, is, is 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 I really am trying to live my life in a way that is not about me, but is about Christ. And the most difficult thing is when I find myself experiencing those bad seasons, I'm trying to do everything right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really trying. I'm trying to follow after God the way that I believe that God has called me to follow after him. I'm trying to read my Bible and pray every day because you'll grow, grow, grow. I'm trying to do all these things, and, and I'm trying to live my life in the right way way maybe you've been there before where you feel like you're doing everything right but nothing seems to be going right and you find yourself in the midst of bad seasons and difficulties and 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 you do the right things at the right times in the right way but you still find yourself just stuck you find yourself stuck in moment after moment that leads into difficult seasons, difficult years, difficult decades, and it can be incredibly frustrating, right? Because our math in our brain says if I'm doing it right, then things should do right. Things should go well. Things, The math that we have concluded says that if, everything, if I'm doing everything the right way, there is a result, and that is that life should be... Uh, should be lived out, should be expressed with the right sort of results. And sometimes uh, I think we can sort of fall into this, this thought process that, again, if we do everything right, then our lives will be omitted from the difficulties that come along with it. At least, at least our lives, if we're doing everything right, should put us in a place where we don't actually have to be dependent on God. Because if I'm doing everything right, then, then life is just coasting. I don't have to be dependent because everything's going well. Um, and, then you, and then here's, what ha- if it's not, it doesn't happen to you, I'm going to say it happens to me. We are in this season, and you've kind of just settled into it. You've got your, it was almost like when we were in, um ecclesiastes where it's like all of a sudden we put our smith records on we bust the black nail polish out again we just kind of go into that dark place and there's always that that well-meaning person that shows up in our lives and says something like this well you know god's plans all work together for good or it's always darkest before the dawn right or they'll maybe say quote one of these bible verses at you: romans 8 28 and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Romans eight eighteen, 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that, we'll reveal, that he will reveal to us later. Ecclesiastes 3, chapter 1 says, for everything there is a season. The reason I capitalize certain words is because those are the ones that my mom at least emphasized with me. little PTSD from mom. Everything you know, it's just like, you know what I mean um, so just you know what if you've never been through this just just hear Nancy's voice in your head I and mean, just listen for Nancy's voice um, For everything there is a season a time for every activity under heaven Philippians 4:13For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength and then uh, the, the Christian coffee mug verse of the year Jeremiah 2911. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And this this well-meaning person, you're in the midst of these difficult seasons and you're in the midst of these difficult moments that lead to difficult seasons that have led to a difficult year that are maybe leading to a difficult decade. And then they are coming with the best intentions in the world and the only response you have is just shut up. Just shut up. I don't want to hear this right now because where I'm at does not equal what you're telling me, right? Like where I am, the season that I'm in is not matching up with the words that you're telling me. I have been doing everything right. I have been doing everything the right way in the right time for the right reasons and yet still I find myself here. So I understand that it's darkest before the dawn and I understand Romans and Ecclesiastes and Philippians and Jeremiah, but just shut up. Right? See, I think there's some part of us that really wants to believe that evil is outside of the parameters of God's control. Not because we believe that God can be in control of evil situations, but sometimes God's just easier to sell. Because when the evil happens in the world, and people find out that we're Christians... Has anybody ever been met with, well, if, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? Like, God would just be a lot easier to sell if evil was outside of the parameters of his control. If he was just the God of warm fuzzies and rainbows and unicorns, he's much easier to sell. And truthfully, I think we're doing a really good job as the American church of selling God that way. I think we're doing a really good job of selling God in a way that truly dishonors the sacrifice that Christ paid for you and for me because when Christ died and he breathed his last and when he was raised again from the third day, he didn't simply come back to life, but he'd come back conquering death, hell, and the grave and evil. But here's what Jesus said. He said, in this world, you are going to have trouble. It doesn't matter that I'm here right now. You will exist in a world with trouble. But take heart because I've overcome have overcome the world. And when Jesus opened his eyes and breathed air into his lungs three days after he was crucified, he breathed in and out the defeat of death. He breathed in and out the defeat of evil. He is the conqueror, but there are things in life that you and I have to conquer. But when we sell God that way, that ain't going to sell books. And that's not going to fill stadiums, and that's not going to fill churches. What that's going to do is that's going to make people feel a little awkward of maybe I just shouldn't buy into this Christianity thing because it's much easier to believe in a God— to not believe in God at all than to believe in a God who from time to time will allow evil. And not simply just allow evil, but allow evil and evil people and evil systems to flourish. Welcome to Daniel. See, we're going to look at two verses this morning, and those two verses have nothing to do with Daniel. But over the course of who knows, what we're going to see is we're going to see this young kid, Daniel, and we're going to see some stories about him and his three friends and how they did everything right. And even in the midst of doing everything right, we pick up on Daniel chapter one, starting in verse one, uh, verses one through two, and this is what the word of God says. And remember, I don't put these verses up on the screen, so you actually have to open your Bible for that. So, spoiler alert. They're really good. Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. See, before we even get to the person of Daniel, you and I have to be, we have to wrestle with this tension. We have to wrestle with this thought that sometimes God will allow evil, but not simply like we said, allow evil to exist, but actually allow evil to flourish, to grow, to gain ground. We have to wrestle with the fact that God allows this because it says in, in Daniel, it says, so, so we've got King Jehoiakim of Judah. These are God's people. You know what I mean? Like this is the King of Judah. These are the people of Judah. These are God's people. They're his chosen. And then here comes Nebuchadnezzar getting all rowdy and crazy. And here comes Nebuchadnezzar trying to pick a fight. And the Bible says that the Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar victory over his people. See, when we read the word victory, it's not like, oh, they won, they were victorious over the armies, over the people, over the nation. Nebuchadnezzar came and he messed stuff up. And the Bible says that God allowed it. What does that do to your faith? What place does that put you in? See, for me, it feels like someone's rubbing sandpaper against my arm. Because it's not the God that I grew up learning about, but it's definitely the God that I've experienced through my life. It feels like sandpaper against my skin because, again, God, if you're good, then why are you allowing not simply evil to exist, but right now in this moment, in Daniel's circumstance, he is allowing evil to flourish. And this can cause us to kind of lose our minds, right? Like, okay, I'm not going to pick up my Bible college students, but I'm going to pick up my Bible college students. What's up, guys? Because um, I, I was a Bible college student too, and I read all the books and had all the the, the the wonderings, and we would sit over coffee and write in our notebook with no lines, and we would just kind of be postmodern as We were as Bible college students back in the day, and, the, and, and, and we kind of have this like ongoing argument. And maybe you guys are having these arguments too of just the reality of man, this is the world that we live in. God, what the crap! Like, I have these moments where I turn on the news, which is never a great way to start the day, and I turn it on and I see what's happening. I'm like what is that? God? Could you make yourself a little bit easier to market, please? Because I'm trying to tell people about how good you are. I'm trying to tell people about how gracious you are. I'm trying to tell people about how you have everything in control, and you are giving me this. You know what I mean? It's like you'd be so God. If I could just be your marketing manager for just a second, I could make everything a lot easier for you. And we can lose our minds because we see evil advancing, we see evil flourishing, we see evil people coming into power over other people and making light. We can, we can, it can cause us to doubt. It can cause me to doubt. It can cause me to doubt, God, are you really in control of what is happening? Are you really aware? Are, uh, because what would happen in Old Testament times is when, uh, when, an army, when armies would battle against each other, what would happen is um, this army would, let's say they do it in the name of, of, of one God, and this army would do it in the name of this other God. And when they would fight, the army that was victorious, it was ultimately proof to them and to their foes and to the adversary that their God was the bigger God. And so you've got King Jehoiakim, the king over Judah, the chosen people of the capital G God, getting owned by Nebuchadnezzar, who we're going to see is all types of crazy as we get into this book. He defeats the people of God, the armies of God, the, army, the chosen army of God. Nebuchadnezzar comes. So what does that say to the people who have been following God? Well, obviously, Nebuchadnezzar's God must be bigger than our God. Because, I mean, I was hearing a lot of crazy things about this God, how about he, how he brought some people through an ocean and he separated some things. I, I mean, I was hearing some crazy things that in the desert they would walk by and they were guided by a pillar of dust in the day and a pillar of fire at night. I mean, this crazy things about how he created everything into existence and how he kind of showed up in moments of desperation. I mean, I, I keep hearing, I mean, I could get behind that. I could get behind the God that kind of pulls up in, in the ninth hour and in, in those moments where things just get a little bit right. I, mean, I can believe in that God who gives me the things that I want. not simply the things that I, I can believe in that. But now, we just got defeated by this rascal. I thought this guy was the big guy. And if this guy's not the big guy, then it must mean this guy's the big guy. And what we can do is we can begin to doubt God based on our experiences. We can begin to doubt God based on the wins and losses column. We can begin to doubt God because it feels like at times our army is losing. But as we're going to get into, uh, get into this, this kid, Daniel, what we're going to find out is that uh, before Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 even happens, Daniel made a decision. Daniel made a decision long before there was ever a part of the Bible written about him. Daniel made a decision. And the decision that Daniel made was that I believe that my God is stronger. And I believe that my God is greater. And I believe that anything that I experience in this life is momentary. And that he is eternal. And what Daniel does before Daniel chapter 1 verse 1 is Daniel says yes to God. He says yes to God. Not about the things that make God easy to love and easy to serve. He says yes to God. And no matter what comes my way, I'm going to continue to say yes to God. Um. Psalm, I was thinking about this, uh, this idea of saying yes to God I, and, and thinking about me and the fact that I can kind of lose my mind uh, when, when things go. So Psalm chapter 37 verses 1 through 2 says this, and I think this is an encouragement to us this morning. Hopefully it's an encouragement to you. Uh, it was definitely an encouragement to me uh, on the plane ride home from Florida. But Psalm ch- chapter 37 starting in verse 1 says this. The psalmist says, don't worry about the wicked. But then what am I supposed to do? Don't worry about the wicked. Or envy those who do wrong. Isn't it crazy? Again, where we see people getting things their way, and here I am, following God, and it seems like nothing is going right. seems like everything's going right for them, and nothing's going right for me. And I really, I really thought that I was doing what God was supposed to do. But if I'm doing what God has called me to do, then, then shouldn't everything be great? Shouldn't everything be, be wonderful? Shouldn't everything just be kind of smooth sailing because I'm following God? First 2, I love this. He says, for like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon fade. Wither. Um, If I can give you a guarantee this morning, it is that yes, God will allow evil to flourish from time to time. But not forever. But not forever. I I love fall. I'm not really a spring guy, it's just wet and cold. Fall is my time because I get to layer. We get to hide this under layers, and, it's, and, and and I love fall, but you just kind of have that moment where it's, it's never long enough, you know what I mean? Like those like perfect fall days, they're never long enough, right? They, they're just all, they're here and then they're gone. And I'm stuck with like six months of winter. Four months of it just being hard and blazes outside. And Then I get three days where it is just like perfect. And it never lasts long enough because, and that's what God is saying. He's like, here's the deal, man. When life overwhelms you and when the wicked seem like they're flourishing, don't, gosh, guys. I, I, because here's, here's what I know. Our life seems long, right? Like let's say, we, let's say I live on average and I'm going to be generous. Let's say I live to be 80, I mean, 80 years, jeez. And that's like 80 years. That's 20 more than 60. It's 30 more than 50. I'm doing easy math because I'm not good at math. But, uh, uh, but I mean, you think of 80. So, three, so can someone take out a calculator real quick and 365 times 80? Can someone just give me some math because there ain't no way I'm doing that on the spot? That's uh, 29,200. Leap years. So 29,220. Okay. 29,220. It's a lot of days. And so it can be understanding that we would look at life as long. But it is amazing that at the end of our lives, it's not going to feel like long enough. So life has this... Perplexing ability to be both long and short at the same time, and we look at it from that perspective. God sees it from such a, 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 a monumental, incredible, incredibly different perspective, and, and what we see as long, He sees as just moment. These are just momentary seasons, and 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 I think what God is continually trying to get us to do is to see life His way. See, in, in, in Jeremiah, I'm not going to have it up on the screen, but, but the prophet Jeremiah actually prophesied. He called it before it happened that this event, that Nebuchadnezzar would get all rowdy, take over Judah. Like, he called it as he was prophesying. And he said, here's the deal. This is how long they're going to they're rule you for 70 years. But if I live for 80, that's like 10 years of me living without this fool. Like, this is incredible. Like, this is oppressive. I mean, but, but here's the thing. It's only 70 years. See, again, it's seasons. It's seasonal. It's from the perspective of God. And it is difficult because we just don't have that natural ability to see life the way that God sees it. We don't don't get to see time the way that God sees time. But here's what I know. God will allow evil to flourish, but never forever. Never forever. But when the evil comes... It is so important to know what you said yes to. It is so important to know what you said yes to. Daniel said yes to God. No matter what comes in life, no matter what difficulties may come, no matter what experiences may happen, I'm doing everything right. And we're going to be introduced to Daniel uh, next week. But here's the deal. He gets pulled out of his family. He gets displaced from his family, and he he gets put into an evil king's, and he's a kid. He did everything right. He followed God. He trusted God. He said yes to God for everything. It is so important to know what you said yes to. Because if you don't say yes to God, it is very easy to say yes to anything else. If you do not say yes to God, it will be so easy for you to say yes to other things. There will be times in this life where God is going to test your yes. Because our yeses need to be tested. We're gonna see over the course of I don't know how much time. Spoiler alert. We are gonna see Daniel come out victorious. We are gonna see Daniel come out on the other side. We are gonna see Daniel, we're gonna experience Daniel standing for truth in a time when everyone else was complacent. We're gonna see Daniel stand for what was right when everyone was stand, when everybody else was standing for what was convenient. We are going to see Daniel face death and come out the other side we're going to see Daniel's best friends be put in a precarious situation because of Daniel and come out on the other side. They may have been smelling like smoke. They thought they were going to be smelling like smoke, but they come out with not even a scent of smoke on them. Spoiler alert. I think... um, I'm going to wrap up in just a minute. I think the reason that God brought us to this book is I believe that the, the book of Daniel is actually a pretty prophetic message for us as a church. I believe that it's a very prophetic message to us as, as Christians today. Uh, and and, and the, the, the voice is saying, I believe that the voice, I think the Holy Spirit is speaking very strongly uh, in this direction. Um, Here's the deal, guys. We're going to suffer. Things are going to really suck. It's not going to get much better before it gets worse. But here's, the tru- here's, but here's the deal. Don't run when the suffering starts. Don't run when the difficulties take place. When the pain starts to get a little real, uh, don't run. When you're facing the lion's den, and when you're facing the furnace, this is the, these are the moments where God shows up. He may not show up to save you, but he will always show up. Um, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, um, it's a pretty pretty powerful. Uh, sobering experience to read stories of people who took their relationship with Jesus the distance. And some of them died atrocious deaths. But because they said yes to God, there was no way they were saying yes to turning from him. See, we're going to suffer, guys, but don't run when the suffering takes place because I believe that what the Holy Spirit is drawing us to is we live in a time and culture right now where there is no place for complacency in Christianity. The last thing we need is a complacency Christianity because the world has seen complacency Christianity. Hasn't changed anybody's life hasn't affected change, hasn't sparked revival, hasn't moved people to places of utter and complete dependence. And why is that? Well, I think it's just because we really like the God who gives us what we want but doesn't bring us through what we need. And we're going to see a young man stand for truth when everybody else was standing for complacency. We're going to see a young man say yes to the hard things when everybody was saying yes to the easy things. When I um when I got married, before I got married, I met with a pastor and, and um and it wasn't like pre marriage counseling or anything like that. We were at Chipotle and uh and we were eating burritos and um we were just chatting about some stuff and he said he said, Hey Steve, you wanna know what marriage is? marriage is a lifetime commitment between one person and another person in the the presence of God and the witnesses, and it's a covenant, it's not a contract, it's all these things. And he goes, shut up. He said, marriage is, is, yes, it is those things, but but yes is not simply saying yes to one person forever. I'm going to paint a burrito sort of hanging out of my mouth, confusion on my face. He said, marriage isn't saying yes to one person forever. It's saying no to everything else. Because when marriages get tough, and they do get tough, it's very easy to run to something or someone else. But in that moment, I learned that I wasn't simply saying yes to Jen. I was saying no to everything else that comes up when it gets difficult. When we say yes to God, we're not simply saying yes to God. We are saying no to everything else and it matters what you say yes to. So let me just ask you this question before I pray. What have you said yes to? Lord, I thank you so much for, God, I thank you so much for the fact that you, um, God, that you are present in the midst of the good and the bad, and God, sometimes it's hard to, um, to rationalize the fact that you are God in the midst of good and, the God, and you, that you are the same God in the midst of the bad. And God, just, this week, I mean, just as I was thinking about this, you reminded me so much that as we read through the scriptures, we come face to face with so many people who were, maybe during, who were oftentimes in the most difficult seasons of life, yet they were exactly where you wanted them to be. And I thank you that your presence exists in both spaces that you're the same God in the midst of both spaces, that you are you are strong when things are going well and that you are strong when things are difficult. And God, as we are gonna dive into this book, Father, I ask that you would open our eyes to the reality set before us, that we exist in a culture and a world that is riddled with complacency, that is riddled with half-heartedness, that is riddled with people existing 50-50. And God, I believe that your Holy Spirit is calling us to be those people 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 know more. So God, would you just plague us with that question today? Would you plague us with that question this week? What have we said yes to? Because God, if it's not you, then it is something that will fail us. It is someone that will fail us. So Lord, as we go, May we go knowing that you walk with us and that you walk through things with us. And God, as we dive into this, Father, may we once again be revealed of the fact that you are strong and that you are greater and that you are not simply one who overcomes, but you are the one who has overcome. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.